Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Yeah, do you really think we can? How can we make this world a better place? That's what we like to talk about a lot here on Blog Talk Radio. We like to talk about being being connected to the culture around us and uh, not running away from the world, but uh, running into the world as mm-hmm. as believers and making friends and uh, being a part of uh, what God is doing. So we're going to have a very interesting show tonight. I know you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, but first, I want to say hello to Gunner up in Portland, our, our producer. Uh, how are, how are things with you, Gunnar? John, I'm doing well, and uh, I love what you just said there. I mean, we just you're running not away from the world, and it's uh, right up there. With last week, you called uh, the cats the undevotional. Some, <laughs> you got some good things you're, you're launching with here lately. This is fun. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. We just see what happens. You know, it it is it is fun. Yeah. So. Well, we're, um, Excited to be here. Go ahead. Yep. No, we're, yep. we're excited I, to be here. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a great show tonight. And uh, I think this answers the question of that song and what you just launched with. Do you really think we can? And I think we'll hear some stories tonight on someone that's doing their yep. part. And I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to be look, looking really forward to learning a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm saying learning because I mean that. I, I think that um, uh, our topic really t- tonight is uh, is worship. Mm. And, um, you know, we've got a lot. I think we ha- all have a lot to learn about worship because we all have different ideas of what it is. Mm. And our guest uh, has a, a, a very interesting perspective because um, his organization is Worship Without Borders, and he's he is dealing with uh, helping and equipping and training and and writing and uh, encouraging worship all all over the world, actually in uh, in all sorts of different countries, and uh, we're going to be able to learn from him some of the things he's found out. Um, as he's as he travels and he's, he finds out what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church um, uh, all over the world. So this yeah. this is going to be great, and I'd really like you all to uh, welcome Tim uh, Smith. Tim, welcome to Block Hi. Radio. <laughs> great to be here, so, John and Gunner. God bless you guys. You too. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We were telling. Tim after uh, a little before we went on, and he's got a great radio voice. So uh, this is going to be a, a fun show. And he said he's never done radio. Never done. I'm no, come on. Never done it. No. <laughs> you You're listening to Worship beat. Without Borders with Tim Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you yeah. are. 
Yeah, he's got that great deep resonance, you know, that, that the FM voice, you know, that yeah. you turn up all the bass and, and you just kind of feel that. Oh, dear, <laughs> enough of that. Yeah. Enough of all that stuff. Um, Jim, let's start where um, you and I started yesterday when we uh, talked about what we were going to mm-hmm. do, because I, I would like people to have a context to put you in. So let's let's just sure. have you tell as briefly as you can um, a little bit about just your history, your life, how you got into this, how the Lord led you from one step to another. Let um, us kind of get a feeling for for you and who you are. Well, um, I was raised in a in a Christian home. My dad was a Nazarene pastor. And uh, I, I grew up on the front pew of the church, loved it, uh, you know, learned all the hymns and, and all the songs and everything. In fact, the Nazarene Church was called the Singing Church. And every Sunday night, we'd have a singspiration, and we'd sing, you know, just every song we could imagine. And uh, so I just learned a lot. Uh, my family is very musical, so uh, mm-hmm. we all sang harmony. And so I, uh, you know, of course, in the hymnals, all the music is written out. So I would learn the alto, the tenor, and the bass line just about for every hymn. I could probably pull off most of them <laughs> even here today. Uh, it just wow. became so natural to you, uh, singing in harmony. And uh, my brothers and I, we were, there were three brothers and I, and we were the Smith Brothers Quartet. We would sing all these gospel tunes and and songs and dad would preach and we would be the special music and it was always, you know, always great. Uh, but oh. being raised musically, I decided, uh, about, I was in fifth grade and, and I got tested for real good pitch discrimination. So I, I, uh, started the violin and then immediately went to the cello and, uh, in the cello when I was 10. So it's been 52 hmm. years. Wow. I've been playing and, and it's been a delightful run with that. Um, cello is a, a cello is a beautiful instrument, isn't it? It really is. I love is. the sound of the cello. But you there's always you room for cello. Yeah, but do you do that? Don't you need to be a part of something? Mostly for you don't think of people sitting. I mean, you know, people sit around and play their guitars. But I don't hear a lot of <laughs> people sitting around playing the cello. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's true. In in one sense, because it's, it's primarily a solo instrument, but you can play chords mm-hmm. and everything with it. Uh, wherever I go, I, I strum it. I do uh, no four, four note chords. Oh yeah, I'll I'll do oh, very cool. rhythmic things with it. Uh, slap on it and all this kind of stuff. When I'm playing, like in Brazil, I'll stand up and twirl it and and do some uh, <laughs> called ricochet bowing and all this, and it's just really fun. So it's that's very fantastic. actually very versatile instrument. That's great. Well, sorry to, yeah. to interrupt your your story, but no, that's okay. <laughs> I'm glad I did. That's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, literally played around the world now. Uh, it's it's a delightful thing. But uh, back when I was in high school, uh, I was doing a lot of music, but I was going to be a math teacher. And then uh, God sort of interrupted my life and told me, literally. Uh, heard the voice of God tell me to be a junior high music teacher, which is really odd since no one in their right mind would be a junior high music <laughs> teacher. But uh, I felt I knew this was a God moment. And uh, so I dropped all my math and uh, went totally into music, got into music theory and all that kind of stuff. Went to college at Northwest Nazarene University and uh, had a, an amazing time there. 
learning. Uh, my degree was in uh, secondary music ed and uh, played in the Boise Philharmonic there with my cello, uh, but uh, just got all my chops together for teaching. And then I started teaching uh, after I graduated, got married, and moved to the Dalles, a little little town uh, mm-hmm. east of Portland, and taught there for seven years and learned how to teach, basically, and, and uh, put it all together. In that process, I got involved in it. Uh, uh, of course, I'm, I'm a raised Nazarene, but we got involved in it with a small charismatic church, and I started playing piano, and uh, which was... Uh, rudimentary at best. It was really awful because I didn't like the piano, but they needed the piano more than the cello. And uh, since I was a music teacher, I, I sat down and made myself play the piano again and and uh, forced myself. And it became, it was quite, a, quite an event. Uh, <laughs> in the small church of 30 people, we had five music teachers. And wow. uh, it was just amazing. We had an oboe uh, two saxophones, trumpet, uh, my wife on the flute, me on the cello, and of course piano, and then uh, a guitar, and it was just an amazing array. This small little little church had this powerful, really powerful musical presentation, and we would play by the hour just together and just play everything we could think of, and we played in every key we could think of, major and minor. It was just this really expansive creative time in our life that was really wonderful um in the process of time then uh we moved into portland and uh got involved in a large church there and uh actually started teaching at portland bible college and uh took all the the music stuff that i had in me and really turned it towards worship and turned it into uh, learning how to facilitate and release worship and, and musicians and singers and choirs and all that kind of stuff. I taught choir and orchestra and guitar back in the Dalles. And so, uh, you know, working with choirs and everything here, in fact, the church I was at had a, uh, I think about a 30 piece orchestra with a harp and timpani and French horns. And it was amazing. Wow. Uh, we wow. had full orchestrations, and and uh, we and the, then on top of that, we all improvised and created these amazing moments of worship back in the eighties. Wow! Uh, that was with uh, my my friend Mike Heron. He was my mentor, and uh, it was a it was a very special time where I learned to really release what God had given me uh, back to Him in song and uh, through all the different groups that I worked with, and of course the congregation. Um, it was very powerful. In, also in the process, I started taking teams out from Portland Bible College called His Tapestry. And for about eight years, we would send teams all over the all over the world, and we would we would minister and, and worship and praise and, and teach on in that area. And it was, it was very very powerful. And that's sort of where I got my taste and desire in realizing that I had great favor in nations. Mm. God had put that in my heart. Mm. It was something beyond me. Because I'm I'm pretty much a a local church guy. I'm a uh my my brothers know that I'm a I'm a homebody. I like to, you know, dig in the trenches and just, just sit there and, and make sure everything is strong and foundational and, and good. Mm. And uh, and yet God kept pushing me outside of my boundaries, outside of my own personal uh, comfort zone. 
In fact, that's why the ministry is called Worship Without Borders, because I'm definitely out of my comfort zone uh, mm-hmm. going to going to all these places. But knowing that God's going before me, preparing all of this uh, has been a delightful thing. Um, so we went out to the west side of uh, Portland and helped out a church there for about 12 years uh, as a worship pastor. In the process, God started uh, really working in my wife and uh, my heart concerning um, really starting a school of worship. And we we looked around the area, yeah, and we thought, well, we just don't see it here. And then God literally downloaded this this thought on both of us to take the school of worship on the road and Mm. sort of match who I am with what God had put in my heart, and that is for the nation's. And uh, in the process, I'm I'm reading this great book by Bob Sorge called Envy, which is a great book, by the way. And uh, mm. Bob is is an amazing uh, uh, worship pastor, worship leader. Uh, back in, I think he's in Kansas City now, but uh, he wrote this book, and he's talking about Joseph and the envy of his brothers and the envy of, mm. of everybody around him, and uh, how God had to break that envy. And uh, goes through this whole process, but as we know, he ends up in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar has this uh, great blessing on his household because Joseph is now in charge. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob says this: Joseph could have stayed at Potiphar's house the rest of his life, and Potiphar's house would have been a blessed house. It had been a great house in all of Egypt. Mm-hmm. But God had bigger plans, and he wanted to go into a higher, uh, higher position. Put him in that place. So how did he do it? He put him in prison. <laughs> he, he, yeah. he cut his feet out from underneath him and put him in prison. And then three years later, as we know, the story ends up in pottering in uh, Pharaoh's house, Pharaoh's court. And now he's in a position to really take care of really the whole known world at that time. Hmm. Well, so Bob says this, and this really struck me because, again, I'm a, I'm a local church guy. I love the house of God. I believe what God is doing in mm-hmm. every single church is so precious and so wonderful. And yet, um, and I had served in three great houses and mm-hmm. felt like I had brought a blessing to them. But Bob said this, he said, so do you want to feed a house or do you want to feed the nations? Mm-hmm. And so wow. that, that hit me between my eyes because uh, obviously it's not necessarily for everybody. But for me, I knew what God was saying to me as a as a worshiper, as a teacher, as one who has experienced the presence of God so wonderfully and the blessing of God in church after church and city after city. I knew he was calling me to the nations. And so I we took that word. We felt like God had called us and recalled us back to the nations. So we started this ministry called Worship Without Borders about nine years ago. And uh, since then, we've been to many nations. I think uh, 21 is what we're at right now. And wow. uh, being able to minister in, in uh, some great places like Russia, India, Brazil, Japan, uh, Uganda, Malaysia, uh, all these places, Finland, Romania, mm-hmm. just, just on and on. And it's been a delightful thing. Uh, singing in different languages, which is another thing that God has really gifted both my wife and I in. Uh, being able to sing hmm. uh, in Portuguese and Finnish and uh, Luganda and Japanese. It's just, it's a delightful thing. And uh, not everybody can do it. I've talked to a lot of guys who who hmm. shy away from doing that, but I love it. 
I love to jump in. I had a little bit of Spanish when I was young, and uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, very, very, very cool. I do. Wow. There is one. There is one moment that just if I can tell you about this one prophetic moment back in in our lives, back in the Dow, little tiny church, little tiny town, and sitting in the basement of this of what's called Tapadera Inn, and this uh, man came to speak to these ladies. I was I was playing piano for my wife who was leading worship for the Aglo Women's Ministry, and mm-hmm. uh, she. Uh, I'm I'm playing very rudimentary and, and it was pretty bad actually. And this prophet stood up and said, "I see you." He's talking to me. I see you leading worship and and uh, teaching at worship conferences around the world. I see you writing songs that will be translated into many different languages. And that was in like 1977. Wow. And in 1987, I found myself in Rio de Janeiro in a conference of about a thousand people, and I, we're standing there singing one of my songs in Portuguese. Mm. And it was a powerful fulfillment of what God had called me to. And, uh, and I've, I've never forgot that, that he, is, he has blessed me and he's put me in a place of favor and blessing to be a blessing wow. to many nations. So that's, that's my thumbnail sketch. That's fantastic. Um, Tim, uh, how it, I know it's impossible to to define this, but how would you speak to a definition of worship? What is, what would you say is, how how do you do that um, if someone would ask you? Yeah, well, there's lots of great definitions out there, and I actually use mm-hmm. a lot of them in, in my mm-hmm. in my seminar. But the, the actual word itself in the Old and New Testament, uh, the Old Testament is shakha, and the, the New Testament is proskuneo. And in both of those words, it, it denotes the bowing or the prostrate mm. before before a higher being. And so, I in my in my estimation, simply simply said, I believe worship is bowing ourselves to mm. an Almighty God in every area. So it's not it's not about music. In fact, music is not is not connected directly necessarily to worship in the Old or New Testament. But it is obviously it's a part, but it uh music can be outside of that context, but uh worship certainly can happen without music, and so it's uh I think it's a, something that every musician should consider is that when you play, you're not necessarily worshiping unless you're bowing unless you're bowing your heart unless you're mm-hmm. giving up something in fact, the Old Testament the connotation of worship was actually something had to die. There's always really? a sacrifice involved. And so I always ask my musicians, you know, where is your sacrifice? You know, just playing wow. your instrument? Is that it? Is this your sacrifice? Is this your <laughs> your gift to God? Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be a bowing of the heart, a bowing of the mind mm-hmm. and the will to a beautiful, loving, kind God. So wow. it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. That's a... Uh... Well, that's certainly applicable in our culture where, yeah. especially if you're doing contemporary music, mm-hmm. uh, you you have a tendency to be the person who is being worshipped in our culture. Yeah. 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 So a strong, strong tendency wow. that way. Yeah. yeah. So that's got to be a real struggle for talented musicians 
who are in a place of leading worship. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would I would imagine. Do you do you discuss that a lot? Do you talk about you know we do. what have to die fact, there? That's, that's, that's one of the first things I start teaching on. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I've been around the world now. I have people standing and then bowing and saying the word shaka, and then I just ah. talk about it. And then I do the proskuneo and add what I call the kiss of worship. And and, and uh, it's just this beautiful aspect of the New Testament adds the aspect of intimacy in worship, mm-hmm. growing mm-hmm. close to him. And so I, I add a little twirl and a kiss <laughs> yes. to the bow. It's really wow. it's really sweet. But, uh, yeah, I, I believe that so many people have narrowed worship down to a few songs, great mm-hmm. songs. And I love the songs. I love what God is doing. I think there's some great songs mm-hmm. being written today. But I think we've narrowed it down to if we sing these songs, we have worshipped. Right. And uh, we played accurately. If we played well, we've worshipped. Mm-hmm. And yet that has n- literally nothing to do unless there is faith activated and our hearts are involved bowing to this wonderful, uh, mm-hmm. beautiful God that we worship. Um, mm-hmm. It's not about the music. It's about the heart. And so we're constantly uh-huh. training the musicians and the singers uh, I think it was Matt Redman. Uh, Gunner, you probably know this. But Matt Redman laid his instruments down for a, for a month mm-hmm. uh, at, the, at the call of God. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe, I, I think, every, every musician should do that at some point in their, time, in their life. Mm-hmm. To you know, lay it down before God and see if God wants you to pick it back up for his glory. Because mm-hmm. it, tests, it tests the heart. Uh, yeah. You know, what's your motivation? Why am I here? Uh, a lot of musicians, and I and I love them all, but a lot of musicians go to church because they play, and they might get paid. Yeah. And if they don't play, if they don't get paid, they tend not to go to that church. Hmm. And uh, that's wow. that's becoming a, a pretty common thing in the church today, and we got to watch out for that. Wow. Yeah. I know a lot of churches ask their musicians if they are paid and they're there that they come in and they hear the word of God, they hear the sermon, they stay mm-hmm. uh, instead mm-hmm. of just casting out right after their their gig is done. So wow. it's a challenge. So that's a that's a, I love this concept of sacrifice that you you added yeah. there that worship in the Old Testament always has mm-hmm. an element of sacrifice in it. Yes. Um, never thought of that. So, so we could really say that um, in our culture for leaders, because you know, <laughs> the the ego is is a real problem for musicians. Would you yeah. agree? Agree? And uh, you know, I I went to yeah. uh, I got my discipleship uh, in a church in Palo Alto uh, called Peninsula Bible Church back in the seventies, and our pastor yeah. was Ray Stedman. You might have heard of Ray Stedman, right. um, wonderful right. sure. Bible teacher. But yes. he was not too. He is very interesting. He was not very high on music, and uh, this is, you know, this is back in the seventies when we didn't even use worship as a term the way we use it today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we had a song service or a hymn, a few hymns, and right. then we had the sermon. Uh-huh. You know, but uh, yeah. we, you know. 
they never had a choir in Peninsula wow. Bible Church. A lot of people are surprised about that. Um, yeah. Because uh, Seven used to joke about this, but he, he said when Satan fell out of heaven, he landed in a choir loft. That was from his experience, though. His that real must be experience. his experience, exactly. Yeah, with musicians. <laughs> And, and how <laughs> difficult it is to deal with them and, and their yeah, ego. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know a pastor, a great pastor here in the in the Portland area, who, after being burned by so many worship pastors, decided to eliminate the worship ministry and just uh, have people leave worship. <laughs> but no one had a title, and he didn't have a worship pastor for years because mm. he just couldn't abide it. Um, yeah. You know, I, he didn't want to. He didn't trust them anymore. I don't. I don't blame wow. him sometimes. With some yeah. of the you know church splits have happened over worship guys, they have oh, a lot yeah. of power. They have a lot of influence in the people, and so we have to guard that carefully. You know, walk yeah. in humility. Yeah. Can you? Mm-hmm. And this this really flows out of that because um, you know you made it very clear that worship is a much bigger thing than music. Um, and yet, right. you know, we even when we use the term today, we almost are meaning worship almost, in, especially in the context of the church. We'll, we'll say, okay, we're going to have uh, about 20 minutes of worship, and then we'll have the the the. And what yeah. that meant was we're going to sing for 20 minutes. Um, exactly. Yeah. Can you give us, but give us a bigger handle on that? What was what does it look like for the believer? Who, who has a much bigger concept of worship? What, what is that? Can you explain a little bit of that, or put, illustrate that for us? What does that look like? The you know, the like the average worshiper. Yeah, yeah. How coming that, in? What? Yeah, give us a picture of what we can do, or how how we can open our minds to to seeing more. Uh, Worship being more than just music, right? Well, obviously, first I think there should be teaching on it, uh, you know, from uh-huh. the pulpit. There needs to be an understanding with the pastor and the leaders. Uh, we can't expect the people just to spontaneously figure this out, uh, though they do. That <laughs> mm-hmm. oftentimes those people are kicked out of churches. Um, <laughs> but pastors need to sort of—they uh, need to be the David. They're they're the, the pastor, they're the, the prophet, they're the king, and uh they're they're setting the tone. And okay. uh it says, you know, throughout uh in First Chronicles it talks about uh, that uh Asaph and Chedjitan and Heman and those the, the main mm-hmm. the chief musicians uh prophesied and sang according to the order of the king. And so there's mm-hmm. there's a sense of release that comes when a pastor gets this vision and gets the desire to really foment uh good mm-hmm. powerful worship in the in the church. So if it's not coming from the leadership, uh it it probably won't come in that direction. Mm. So that's when I when I go out and minister I, I try to go after the pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh mm-hmm. in a good way. <laughs> but just really uh talking to them, getting getting their heart and and uh, see if we could line that up with with what God is uh, saying and doing in the, in the church. So for the individual, 
for them to, to see it modeled by the, uh, the worship team. Uh, you know, uh, I just one simple thing I think is going a cappella, uh, mm-hmm. just having everybody sing. And so the instruments are not in the way. And mm-hmm. uh, so everybody can hear each other. I'm a big proponent of everybody sings. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mm-hmm. content if it's just the front few rows. I'm going after the back row. I'm going yeah. after those that are hardened and hurting and all these kind of stuff. And, and just I, I, I use exhortation a lot. Uh, I try mm-hmm. to be brief, of course, but a, a short exhortation and encouragement to people, no matter where mm-hmm. they're at, to see what's happening right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it, it, it sort of baffles me that I think we've forgotten that he really is there. That yeah. God is really present. You know, he's among us. And he's not just the audience of one, which I, I appreciate that concept, but he's active. By his Holy Spirit, he's moving. He's changing mm-hmm. hearts. He's rearranging thoughts. He is healing. Um, wow. he's, act, he's an active God. He's not a passive God waiting for us to pacify him and to say the right things or to sing the right song. But he's, he's waiting for faith to arise in the congregation. And then he moves and he comes and he fills. And it's this delightful thing when wow. uh, people will sing in faith. And I think you can do that just about in any tradition, um, mm-hmm. you know, liturgical or not. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the, the free form. Um, yeah. You know, I think God shows up because that's his nature. That's great. That's great. You know, it's beautiful. Uh, can we... Can we worship in our car driving to work <laughs> without turning on bow? the radio? Without <laughs> turning on the radio, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Just uh, you know, can you can you worship when the guy cuts you off in traffic? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That's the big one. See, that's the bowing. That's yeah. the humility and the the thing, the sacrifice that God calls for each one of us as a yeah. Christian. Sure, mm-hmm. that's worship. Wow. Okay. We definitely need to get a bigger idea out of this. Yeah. I've, I've heard I've heard said once that um, that we don't come to church to worship. We come to church because we are worshipers. That's good. That's good. Can you? Uh, what, what do you think about that? Can you comment on that? Well, uh, the the priests, you know, in the Old Testament, they would bear the the ark. You knew that, right? They they put them on their shoulders, yeah. and the, yeah. the presence of God would go forth from Israel on the shoulders of of the priests. They were bearing the presence, the literal presence of God was in the camp. Whenever those priests were lifted up, they were carrying it. And I believe that, again, we're all priests and kings. You know this. You know First uh, Peter two talks about the the priests and the kings of the, the giving living sacrifices and all these kind of things we are the bearers of the presence hmm. so when we go to church we're going to uh you know fellowship we're going to worship and all these kind of things hmm. but we're bearing we're bringing the presence with us we're not coming to his presence now it's uh, sort of right. a a, mm-hmm. a little bit of fallacy in the in the concepts of our minds back in the day mm-hmm. we talked about bringing his presence in uh mm-hmm. if we sing you know thanksgiving enter into his praise into his presence with thanksgiving and so yeah. we had this little 
if we did this, you know, this formula, if we did this, we'd be in his presence. Well, the reality is we all know this. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so yeah. we bear the presence of God. We are the priests. And uh, that's that's what I love, you know, in training and teaching, uh, releasing worshipers, not just the team, worship team, but everybody has has something to bear. Everybody brings something. First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty six says, "How is it then, brother, when you come together? Everybody has a song. Everybody has a mm-hmm. tongue, a doctrine, oh, a yeah. revelation. You know, come, bring it. Mm-hmm. But let mm-hmm. everything be done unto edifying." And so I had this humility about it and uh, unity about it. It was it was powerful. Wow. So yeah, we we come bearing the presence, and we and we celebrate it together. I think uh, the church coming together is this great celebration yeah. of His presence and who He is, and what He's done and doing in our lives. That's great. Um, I mentioned earlier. Him about um, how back in the 70s uh, we didn't right. even use the term worship the way we use it today. And, right. and yet, you know, in the last 30 years, my goodness, I mean, the whole, the, the, the picture has changed drastically uh, in yeah. churches across America, at least. And we'll talk about the world in just a minute, but it yeah. certainly has changed in America to where uh worship is a really big deal now it's it's almost as it's probably a big deal uh, uh bigger than the teaching sometime or for sure i do know mm-hmm. people choose their churches sometimes because of the worship they like the right. worship in right. such and such church that's a right. big change in the last 30 years do you, do you have any idea why that happened um and is the, is this truly a good thing, you know? Um, and, and so you know what I'm getting at here, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. I, there's lots of different angles on that. Yeah, um, I know. One is that that's our ultimate destiny in heaven. That okay. There will be no preaching. That we will be singing and worshiping around the throne. And so we're, you know, a lot of people, they talk about heaven touching earth. You know, Jesus had us pray. Uh, you know, let your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wasn't saying in the future. He was saying for right now, pray it now that, you know, heaven wow. will come now. And so uh, for us to just talk about it is one is nice, it's good, but to actually experience it is another thing. And I think that's what's happening in a lot of places. Now, it, I obviously it can become uh, idolatrous, as as we've mentioned, you know, it becomes personality driven, it becomes uh, uh, musician driven, all those kind of things. Technology uh, driven is a real common thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So we got to watch mm-hmm. out for those. We got to guard against that. But I don't think it's a bad thing that we're worshiping a lot, that we're singing praises to our cool. God, that we're lifting up voices to Him like never before. I mean, this is uh, it's it's. Uh, you know, this generation they hear a lot of things, but if you notice, they don't they don't sing a lot. They're they're bec- we're becoming listeners and, s- and somewhat passive in that. And so I I really work at everybody sings and uh, getting everybody engaged. Um, 
So it's not it's not enough just to have a great song up there. Because sometimes yeah. people just love listening to that song. So so, so you could almost say yeah. So you could almost say answer my question with the fact that you know we're we're getting ready for heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Would you say that? I mean, it, I I think we could say that. And I think uh, people are trying to draw lines and make a negative out of all this uh, uh-huh. both ways. You know that you know hymns are the dry things of the church, yeah, and that's yeah. wrong, and that's that's negative, and that that all this is uh, that all the other stuff is idolatry. If you if you get guitars and drums and uh, yeah. you know, strobes and all this kind of stuff going, that's idolatry and everything. Well, uh, I don't go there. Okay, mm-hmm. to the point where it's. Is this worship? Is Jesus at the center of this thing? And is he being glorified? Is his name lifted up? Are people yeah. engaged? Are they being turned? Are their hearts being turned to him mm-hmm. or to the music? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I quote John Wesley a lot because uh, mm. he has a whole thing on singing. And one of his points is uh, basically singing, uh, singing with knowledge of the words mm-hmm. and singing with understanding. And right. I talk about that a lot. That we, when we sing, we not, we got to know what we're singing about, and it's got to wow. affect something inside of us. So, yeah, I think we need to uh, step back and uh, embrace a lot more. Mm-hmm. Be less critical of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there is, if there are issues of idolatry and and uh, lasciviousness mm-hmm. and. You know, all, I mean, there's stuff that that is happening for sure, and has happened. Right. But we need that's that's where the church, government, and all that kind of stuff. You know, they can take care of those issues. Mm-hmm. But we mm-hmm. don't have to sit. I, that's what I don't like about the internet right now. It's like you go in and talk mm-hmm. about worship, and people start picking apart this and picking apart that, and everybody's got their uh. their feelings that this is better than that, and forget it. It doesn't work. Mm, there is mm. no resolution to that. There will be no resolution to the style issue because everybody has their preferences. Mm-hmm. So you have, to, mm-hmm. you have to go back to, is Jesus glorified? Is he at the center of this thing? Are yeah. hearts broken? Are we bowing? You know, Are we bowing? Kind of mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if it is a party and there's no, there's no humility and there's no uh, sacrifice and there's no uh, brokenness, then I think we need to challenge that. You know, mm. it's not all about just having a good time. Um, I mean, there's the body of Christ around the world. You got to look at consistency around what what Jesus is trying to do in the church uh, around the world, and we yeah. we have people being beheaded for the name of Christ right now. Right. And to say, well, you know, it's all about really just just enjoying Jesus. Well, I, I agree with that. We should enjoy him. But we should also be broken. Yeah. For our brothers and our yeah. sisters and for what's happening in this world. And there's a lot to be done. Wow. Wow. And I think God yeah. addresses that right. too in our worship. Mhm. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Um and you brought up the world and I was you went right where I was going to go because uh, I'd, I'd okay. love to let's start talking a little bit more about other countries and and ha- okay. what is you uni- what have you found that is universal about worship uh, wherever you go uh, is and and, and uh, how can we be encourage us from what you see 
in worship in other countries. Right. Um, well, the, the preeminent thing, of course, is Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus being there in the middle. And uh, okay. it, it's a delightful thing to see that around the world, the consistency of that. Uh, I, I do a whole teaching on what I call vision of worship. And uh, my very first thing is Jesus. Uh, every service reveals Jesus. And so I'm, I'm observing as I go around and making sure that Jesus is at the center of what we're doing, that we're not uh, just into the, the hype and, and the fun of it, but there is there's a real sense of his crucifixion, his resurrection, his name, uh, his nature, uh, hmm. just all, all the things that are Jesus. And then I'm truly seeing a, a, just a wonderful move of the Holy Spirit just about everywhere. Um, again, in, in lots of lots of manifestations, but obviously in healing. I was just in India, and I, uh, while I was singing a, a song uh, just a month ago, uh, a lady in the back, as we sang, felt her knee uh, melt like oatmeal, she said, and her knee <laughs> came back together. It was dislocated for, for months, and uh, all of a sudden, it just came back together. I, I just believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit is at work. He does do things mm-hmm. and he does reveal and, and wants to speak and uh, help us. Uh, it's not just, uh, uh, you know, when I talk about bowing, when you bow to something, uh, that doesn't mean he just stands there and goes, yeah, you know, I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's. He's, you know, he's he has compassion on us. He has sympathy for us. He has grace for us. He has mercy, and all this stuff is coming at us. So we see that uh, everywhere. We see the word of God really being lifted up uh, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, communion is is common everywhere. Baptism is common. Singing is a commonality everywhere. You can sing it everywhere. Uh, physical expressions, uh, you know, bowing, kneeling. Uh, lifting of hands, clapping, all those kind of things are are very prevalent uh, worldwide. Mm. Um, and then, of course, fellow, the fellowship is, is is so necessary. You know, some people wonder why why have church. You know, if we're just good Christians and doing doing good stuff. But there's a, a necessity for us to gather together mm-hmm. to hear each other's mm-hmm. story and to 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 hear and see what God is doing among us. And you know, iron sharpening iron, and all of this. It's uh, it's so healthy for the brothers to come together. Psalm 133. You know, that's where God commands the blessing, is the unity of the body of Christ. And uh, I I often quote Ephesians uh, four, talking about the the joint supplying, uh, the the relationships in the body of Christ causes the body to grow. It's our relationship as we relate to one another in worship. And 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 beyond, that that causes the body to grow. So, great, those wow. kind of things. Great. Do you find that the same? We talked about this this growing emphasis of worship that we've experienced here in America in the last thirty years. Do you think the same mm-hmm. thing is happening uh, around the world, or is it different? Yes. Yes. Uh, the only caution I would have on that is that it not become a U.S. thing. Or an Australian okay. thing. Okay. That uh, you, a lot you, of lot of churches out there are just emulating what we're doing. Okay. 
And when I go out and I teach, I teach songwriting everywhere, and uh, I teach them uh, to write in their own idiom, their own, uh, obviously, language and style and, uh, you know, Mm. medium, whatever, you know, whatever instrumentation they have. I worked with a a young lady down in southern India that played the, uh, I can't remember the name of the instrument now, but it's like a sitar. And mm-hmm. she was a professional, but she gave it up for Christ like 14 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, do you think God would want you to pick that up and give glory to him with that instrument? She goes, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I prayed over her. She actually gave me a lesson on it. And uh, and then I came back a couple years later, and here she is on the worship team playing that instrument. Wow. And uh, it's, it's beautiful. I think mm-hmm. God would redeem and uh, use the the culture and the mm-hmm. language and all the beautiful things that are happening in all these wonderful, wonderful countries. Uh, God can redeem that and, and find his expression that's unique to them. Not everybody yeah. should sound like us. God forbid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, do you find a lot of, uh, in, in a lot of these countries, people are writing their own, their, their own music new, their own new music? They're starting to. Okay. I, th- I remember back in in Japan uh, in the early days, uh, they were all they were doing was translating uh, a lot of Hillsong songs. Oh, okay. And uh, mm. because of the language, it was very busy. It didn't sound very mm. Japanese-like. <laughs> but since then, they've they've risen up uh, quite a few good songwriters there, and uh, that's starting to happen more and more in every nation, where they're finding their right. own voice. That works better in their language. Yeah. Now, is that is that part of why why you teach songwriting? You're trying to encourage that. Yes, exactly. Uh, we did that in Kamchatka, Russia, a few years ago to 24 mm-hmm. students at a school of worship, and uh, I gave them two weeks. I I trained them in many things, but songwriting every day. And I said, your your test is to write a song about what I just spoke on for the last two weeks. And put but put it into your own words, in your own idiom, uh, using your own instruments. And so we had 24 brand new, totally different songs. Uh, maybe only a couple had a sort of a Western style. The rest were Russian and Ukrainian and and uh, indigenous. And it was really beautiful. Wow! And they danced wow. to it too. On top of that, which is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so I guess some of those songs are now being sung over Russia, throughout Russia. Okay. Okay. What do you What do you say about we we I can think we actually kind of already touched upon this, but um, uh, you know there there's a lot of people. Com- we've talked about how you know on the internet people complain about this and that. Um, yeah. And yeah. and one of those complaints that I see coming up a lot is that uh, people complain about the shallow content in current worship right. songs. Uh, yeah. A lot of repetition and and they they compare them maybe to hymns. Um and uh you know uh, and, and like that like that's a downer, um uh, a negative thing. <laughs> but what what do you say about that? What what do you say about that? Yeah. Well I think as long as you have content somewhere in your service, why can't you have just sort of a yeah. simple song? 
Uh, we uh-huh. sing, I love you, Lord. That's not a, necessarily a deep song. Uh, I exalt thee. We re- is repeated over and over and over and over and over again, and we love it. Uh, uh-huh. So repetition isn't a bad thing. In fact, repetition is a good way to remember things. Uh, so it's it's not in it's sequencing is a real common tool for songwriting. So yeah. repetition's not bad. Uh, you know the content. I think some of these guys just want to complain. Uh, yeah. I talked to one pastor who just basically said, "I'm a I'm a purist when it comes to hymns. I want to do it uh, this way." And uh, uh, well, I didn't argue with him because I'm I'm not the arguing type. But if I were to argue with him, I would say, okay, what is a pure hymn, really? (laughs) Do we really know how it's purely done uh, at the beginning? (laughs) What you're saying is you want to do it the way you know it. That's the way you learned it. And that's, you're calling that the pure hymn. And that's not true. So we have, we've, we've built these little walls around ourselves saying this is, this is the best way. And it's really not true. You know, I, I have my preferences. Yeah. Go ahead. And it is isn't that isn't that uh the challenge uh, because uh uh because music is so personal that it's going to be a personal experience for for yeah. for every everybody and it's going to be different for everybody. Absolutely. Isn't that right? Yeah. Some songs just don't fit in a in a liturgical setting and all that kind of stuff. Uh when it gets real personal uh, I don't like to, you know, like I remember the first few songs that had ain't in it, you know, that kind of stuff. When you're talking about God, God yeah. ain't dead, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I can't, just can't do that. I wasn't raised that way, you know. Um, and the the whole kissing Jesus was always a hard thing for me. Being a, a red-blooded American boy, you know, talking about mm-hmm. kissing Jesus didn't sound right. And, uh, but, you know, there's, there are certain things that work and certain things that don't. I think time will weed out a lot of this stuff. That's why we mm-hmm. have only a few hundred hymns, even though thousands were written. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Charles Wesley wrote, what, 6,000 hymns? And we only sing maybe wow. 40 of his. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, most of the songs we're singing today will not be sung in 10 years. Wow. And I think that's the danger we have right today is that we're mm-hmm. throwing out the old. And then the new becomes old in a in a month or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we go on to the next thing. And so pretty soon we're only singing new songs yeah. that uh, some people know and some people don't. I mean, God yeah. bless ECLI at least for standardizing some things. And so we at least know what the body of Christ is singing around the world now. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. Is uh, is it? Your understanding of uh, is it Galatians where uh, Paul says um, uh, singing, be filled with the Spirit, singing when in your heart to the Lord, yeah. singing somewhere he says in Psalms and hymns yeah. and spiritual songs. He actually splits it up there. Uh, yeah, is that yeah, something that's, that's uh, Ephesians five nineteen, right? Ephesians, okay. Yeah. Right. Psalms yeah. and hymns but, and spiritual songs. What that exactly? Those are different different things, right? They really are. And that's the beauty, I think, of what God's doing today is you start hearing, uh, you know, we have the Psalms that are songs that are based on uh, pure mm-hmm. scripture, which is wonderful, which is where uh, uh, oh, Calvin, John Calvin was at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, only, he only did songs from the scripture. 
and then uh, then you went into the hymns, was man's compositions, which is pretty much what we have today. Uh, great songs that are being written with you know theology and all that kind of stuff, and it's great. But the spiritual song was something in the in the New Testament church where it gave an opportunity for everybody, uh, according to the Holy Spirit, to sing something more spontaneous and something from their heart. And sometimes what they would call prophetic, in other words, a word from God. And so they would sing under the unction of the Holy Spirit. It was actually called the Pneumaticus Ode, the new song. Mm. And uh, it was the song of the Spirit. And uh, as they would sing these songs, they would, they would, uh, some of them were were so good that they wrote them down and they would sing them and sing them again. And some of them became our, became part of the liturgy of the church. Um, Some, as a lot of songs will die. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's, there needs to be uh, an allowance for that in our church, allowing for people to, create their own song uh, mm-hmm. spontaneously and just love on Jesus corporately. Uh, we experienced this. I remember having Matt Maher here at uh, Christian Supply a few years ago. I think Gunner probably brought him in and uh, he encouraged everybody to sing a new song right there. He just laid a simple chord progression down and and uh, we all started singing our own song to Jesus. And it was really sweet, really wonderful. And yeah. that's what I like to encourage uh, everywhere I go that, you know, it's not all just what somebody else has written and what, you know, what the Word of God says, but sometimes there is that active, what is God saying right now to me or to you? Mm-hmm. And that's called the spiritual song. Wow. So I think somebody mentions it's like a Hallmark card that, uh, you know, they're great cards, they say nice things. But if you get a Hallmark card, you're hoping that that person will write something personal in there. And so it's right. sort of like our Hallmark card to God in worship, where we add that personal note, where we write wow. our how we really feel about God personally, or how he feels about us, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I like that. Yeah. It's really sweet. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, we're 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 getting close to uh, wrapping up here. I I, I wanted in, when I was thinking of my questions, I was I was wondering about if we could can we look ahead? Do you ever do that? I mean, just look into the future. Do you have yeah. any sense of what you know where God is going to lead us in terms of our worship? Yeah, yeah. I you think do? a lot about that. Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest things that God uh, wants to bring back to the church is authenticity. Uh, I, I speak a lot on John four, right? You know, the, the, the big scripture, you know, worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah. So I talk about, you know, spirit being, you know, everywhere, anywhere. And, you know, there's no walls and there's no barriers to his presence and all that. But the, the word truth has been, usually defined as worshiping according to the the word of God. His word Mm -hmm. is truth, which is an okay translation, but that isn't what Jesus was talking about in context. Mm. Right there, he revealed, in in front of this woman, he revealed her heart. He revealed her past, right? Mm -hmm. He he said, Mm -hmm. you you know, you've been married to five guys, and now you're living with somebody that's not your own guy, and 
or not your husband. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and she went away from that saying, he told me everything I've ever done, which is really, you know, hyperbole mm-hmm. <laughs> way beyond what he actually did. But that's what he, she knew he was revealing her heart. And that wow. the, the word truth there that he's saying, when you worship God in spirit and in truth, the word is aletheia in the Greek. And the word aletheia means uh, totally revealed, nothing concealed. Wow. And that, that changes the whole thing when you talk about worshiping God. It's not about doing, you know, clapping, singing, lifting, standing, whatever, but don't hide anything. You've wow. got to be real before God. Mm-hmm. He, he's totally revealed. This is what he did with the woman. And then from that, she had a revelation of that he is the Christ. See? So there's a revelation right. both ways. So he is totally revealed. There's nothing concealed from to us, too. It's this beautiful thing that happens in worship. Uh, true worship is the revelation of Christ and our relationship with him. It's a beautiful thing. So I believe authenticity is the thing that God is really going for. And intimacy and authenticity is just so huge uh, that we come close to him, that we don't hide anything, that we stay true to his word, that he tests our heart keeps us pure, uh, keeps us honest, all those things. Wow, wow. So that's, that's, a, that's a big thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it is a big thing because I think in, in the church we have a tendency to do a lot of hiding, actually. Yeah. And uh, we here oh, absolutely. At, the catch, at the catch, we, we talk, I've talked a lot about uh, – the new covenant ministry, which is um, mm. which is the, the the life of the spirit in and through us, but when, when Paul really goes into detail about it, he he makes it very clear that that the real ministry is a life of Christ through the real us. Uh, in other yeah. words, we're not hiding anything. We're we're doing, mm-hmm. we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face. We we are mm. what you see mm. is what you get, and and, and we're. And you know the picture. We're cracked pots. You know we're we're, we're struck <laughs> down and we're afflicted and we're we're yep. persecuted and 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 we go through, you know, really hard times. But that the the life of Christ might be seen in the middle of our of our of our mortal flesh. In other words, the real yes. the reality of who we are. Boy, how can Beauty. we how can we get that out to people? How can we get people? to be more real and open and honest? How can our worship be more authentic? Is there, is there some way you can help us with that? <laughs> well, uh, it, it's something that you can't, uh, you know, authenticity, mm-hmm. let's let's have a seminar. Yeah. I'm going to teach you <laughs> yeah, how to be real, you know. <laughs> right. But I think it's embracing all the things that come at you. Mm-hmm. That you know what you said, you know the trials, the temptations, the all the battering that comes on in our life. Uh, you know, I love uh, uh, Corinthians. It says, "Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither entered into the heart of mm-hmm. man what the Lord has prepared for him who uh, who loves him." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking about Jesus and the cross. Wow! And it, to me, it's powerful to understand that that it's not, he hasn't prepared all these necessarily wonderful things, but whatever it is, 
whatever it is, he's there and he's got a plan and he's going to take mm-hmm. us through it. It's going to be victorious. It's powerful mm-hmm. to understand that it's not all, you know, it's not all going to be roses and fun times and all that. We we all know that, but then we take that scripture and we try to find some, you know, rose colored look at it. Mm-hmm. But the reality mm-hmm. is through the cross, if the enemy had known, if the enemy had known, he would not have crucified Christ. If the enemy had known, he would not have done all this bad stuff to you, right? Yep. He wouldn't do all this bad stuff to us if he only knew what it's doing to us because it's only emboldening in our face. It's giving us hope. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, yeah. it's uh, you know, filing off all the bad stuff in our lives and mm-hmm. getting us back on our knees. Wow. Wow. So I love it. Oh, that's great. I, uh, I, I'm glad we got to that, uh, because that, that whole authenticity and being real thing, um, yeah, yeah. that, that is, uh, that is fantastic. And, and I, I, I love that from John four, because right? I, uh, mm. you know what I, it's just, I know this is your interview, but <laughs> I get so excited about, about the way where Jesus goes from there. And the disciples come back, and remember they they yep. eat, they try to get him to eat, and he's not even hungry. And he says, yep. "You don't even know the you don't know the food I just had, man. I just had a the banquet." Uh, and <laughs> and the picture, and that's when he starts to see that the fields are ripe unto harvest. I've heard someone teach that 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 those are the turbans of of the city of Zichar, which was on its way up to him because the woman mm-hmm. had just gone back and told them all and um who knows where that did but but uh what i get there is jesus own excitement himself that he he's you know he saw maybe for the first time you know as a human being what this truth can do for a person how it can truly set a person that's right you know that's uh and, and to think that, that that Jesus was blown away by that himself and, and wasn't even hungry for McDonald's, you know, forget that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Please. Oh, gosh. This is great. This is great. Well, um, this has been Rich. I thank you so much for taking some time out of your Tuesday night to spend it with us. And, you bet. Uh, my, my pleasure. Uh, and... Uh, One last thing, how can we pray for you and your ministry? Uh, Two things, how can we pray, and then how can people find out more about it? I I want you to tell us where you're – I'm sure you've got a website. Everybody has a website. So um, just tell us how we can pray and how we can find out more. Okay. Okay. Uh, It is uh, worshipwithoutborders.org or www.org. And – you know, we're, we, we're having an unprecedented year. I've been doing this almost nine years, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always been somewhat of a struggle uh, to line up places, uh, mm-hmm. you know, nations and, and cities. We do a lot of local ministry and uh, stateside, and then we that helps finance our, our international travels. But uh, this year, God has just really opened up the heavens. We're going to Cambodia, Japan, possibly in Malaysia, in July, uh, just been to India. We're going to Brazil in September and Guatemala, maybe Mexico in November. Uh, wow. just absolutely unprecedented 
just sort of an unleashing right now. So uh, pray, pray for financial uh, help with all of that. Pray mm-hmm. for especially physical strength because neither of us love flying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really hard on the body. You know, I'm 62. Yeah. Uh, those and we have to fly economy just to save money, and yeah. uh, it's really hard on the knees, hard on the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last trip to India had went 48 hours before I slept, and it was oh. just it was wow. it's harder and harder to assimilate that that's when you're brutal. getting older. So yeah. that's 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 the biggie. Just you know, provision and and uh, mm-hmm. God keep opening those doors and uh, give us wisdom and strength. Yep. Great, great. And when you say we, you're talking about you and your wife, right? Me and my wife, generally. Uh, We also do a lot of travel with Mike Heron, Pastor Mike Heron out of uh, Mm -hmm. Houston. And Uh sometimes we take teams, uh, small teams with us, which is really wonderful. Someday someday we'll talk about your wife some. I'm fascinated (laughs) with what she does. Yeah, she's amazing. That'll be another time. So, uh, all right. So we'll be praying Great. for you for for uh, uh, strength and and uh, for this and and uh, uh, praying for direction. You know, in terms of uh, what you're doing when you're there and and uh, the Holy Spirit would just be on this whole this whole thing this whole year as you okay. uh, as you lead people in worship. What a great thing! Yeah, we Better love doing it. You. We absolutely love it. Gunner, did you have something to add? No, I just, uh, I just <laughs> always just enjoying just sitting back. Yeah, I'm just kind of sitting back and enjoying the, the conversation, and um, and it's just so fun for me to uh, to hear these stories. And uh, and of course, yeah. you know, I've known Tim for for several years now, and just absolutely just love his heart. And um, I love seeing others light up when I mention his name mm-hmm. to them, and it's just so fun. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Well, it's a wonderful thing you're doing, and I uh, I bet you just thank the Lord all the time you get to do this. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, you you know you right 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 there where you're seeing uh, God being worshipped. Thanks for all the things that you taught us. Uh, I'm going to take away the bowing part of worship. I I did I hadn't I didn't have that. The bowing part is so important. Mm-hmm. This sacrifice, mm-hmm. something needs to be mm-hmm. sacrificed. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, that's real helpful. Um, and then the whole idea of the authenticity uh, in worship to be real. Um, these are these are huge. Thank you so much for for uh, broadening well, our and, and, uh, and well, thanks uh, for having me. This has been okay. a delightful thing, and you know, you're one of my heroes from way back. So this is delightful <laughs> yeah. for me too. You're okay. you're a great well, man. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Take care. Okay, man. God bless. God bless right. you guys. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that was really great. Mm. What do you think, Gunner? Oh, that's fun. I just the depth. You know, we're going, you know, we've been just going deep every week, you know, the different uh, guests mm-hmm. that we've had on. And, you know, worship is just, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, as we were towards heaven, right? You know, and what he was saying. And um, just, just so much. Yeah. Uh, but there were, there, we got into some really good stuff. I'm yep. so good. And uh, I'm ready to go do a, 
a worship seminar now. Oh, you know, I, well, I'll tell you, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, we've got to have Tim back on and just have him just start telling stories of just different stories of worship experiences that have happened in different parts of the world. He's got some stories that, you know, he's shared with me and I'll, we'll end up at a coffee shop and it'd be like three hours later. And I'm like going, tell me more. Just okay. powerful. You know, and okay. you know, and, and and so there's this, there's this, there's so much to it. But I'm ready to go. I'm ready to sign up as well. Let's let's go. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll have him back. That's that's very good. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, are we uh, are we about ready to call it a night? I think we're ready to call it a night, and um, that's uh, be sure to check out www.org uh, worshipwithoutborders.org find out more about what uh, Dr. Tim Smith is up to and uh, listen to this podcast, share it. John, we'll see you in the morning on the catch. Looking forward to uh, the days ahead. You bet. You bet. And let's, let's have more work You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio. Connecting life to faith. Wolves are trying to get it together. Trying to help their fellow man. Hoping we can make it better. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.